0: Welcome to Solutions Cast, a CFC podcast that highlights cooperative network projects and leader stories, as well as economic and energy industry insights. I'm your host, Christine Pachenik. And today I'm here with Craig Turner, who is the senior principal and regulatory engineer of Dakota Electric Association, located in Farmington, Minnesota. Welcome. Thanks for joining, Craig.
1: Hello. Glad to be here.
0: And also here with me is Greg Santoro, who is NRTC's Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer. Welcome, Greg.
1: Great to be
2: here as well.
0: Now, today we're here, we're going to be talking about smart grid planning. And this is because our co-op members have implemented various smart grid applications with the aim of optimizing everything from advanced networks, intelligence, automation, and control. There's a lot of this uh, that goes into what the planning process is. Uh, We're looking at uh, the big picture. So that's really the planning step, right? Uh, It can be anything from strategic planning to financial forecasting, which is really foundational. So there's uh, such a breadth of information that is out there. And I know, uh, Greg, NRTC and CFC recently published a smart grid benchmarking report.
2: Yeah, yes, we did. Um, Great report, a lot of great input from uh, a number of cooperatives across the country.
0: And we're also looking at hosting a series of webinars that hopefully our listeners will have access to the playbacks on those as well that will go into various topics on the Smart Grid benchmarking report. Um, So I definitely suggest that people keep an eye out for those because there's going to be a lot of great information if you are interested in uh, various applications within the Smart Grid world. So with that, Craig, I want to talk about your background and experience. I know you have quite the history, not only in the electric power industry, but you also have cooperative experience that lends well to our what we're talking about here with smart grid planning. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little
1: bit about that? Got okay, a lot of background with investor owns and different cooperatives, transmission, uh, GNTs. Um done a lot with SCADA integration over the years, uh, SCADA implementation. Integration and getting functionality out of the integration has been key in the projects I've worked on.
0: Dakota Electric Association, that's a fairly suburban cooperative, is that right? What'd you say?
1: Yeah, we're uh, suburban, uh, some rural, cover about 500 square miles, 120,000 uh, meters, 110,000 members.
0: Okay, great. That's a great foundation for us to start. Uh, I also want you to keep in mind that at the end of every episode, I always ask our uh, guests of honor here what your top three insights are for our electric co-op leaders. So we're hoping to uh, uh, rely on all of that experience and expertise we just touched on. Um, so definitely keep that in mind. But to start, I want to go into what the current state of your Smart Grid's application systems are. So, can you just give us a, a just quick oversight on what that looks like today?
1: Yeah, we basically uh, the, the main project we're doing is a full AMI, MDM, and load management project refreshing our existing load management system. And so far we've uh, fully implemented our MDM system including all the integration and uh, all the internal processes to use the data. We're in the final stage of exchanging over 120,000 meters. We're about halfway through the replacement of about 50,000 low low control receivers. So most of the way through our project.
0: When you were initially planning for these smart grid applications, what was the vision behind it?
1: Yeah, we we started back in 2013 with our our planning process. And we started by identifying our technology needs and we developed an overall vision for the co-op. Um, We got personnel from across the organization. It was really key to get a full, uh, broad uh, group from the organization. We developed a plan that included those needs. Um, Really, that pointed us to the first we needed, an update of our CIS, and we needed to build a foundation to support the flow of data. Um, We were able to work with our GNT in the county, and we were lucky enough to get fiber communication into all of our substations. And from that, we moved on to our requirements for the uh, AMI MDM system. But the the key was a company wide vision, really led to the development of a of a very detailed set of outcomes for the project.
0: And so, you have a few interesting points there. the the start The fact that you began this planning in twenty thirteen so we're really talking that there was a a long-term strategic planning going on there, right? And we'll get into that in just a little bit. But you also talk about vision, which is a critical step in the planning process. Craig, why was that vision part of the, the process such a critical step in this?
1: Yeah, that was really key is, you know, having a clear vision of what is a, a successful project is key, especially when you have a large group cross-functional team. Um, the entire team's got to be on board with that vision, um, and we then needed to know this vision to allow us to pair our use cases with vendor capabilities. Uh, one vendor could do some functionality much better than others. The team needed to really understand this. And um, then when you develop your RFP, will be will be developed to communicate those use cases to vendors. That was very okay. important.
0: Okay. And you talk about cross-functional teams, which I think is something... W- I'll also likely dive back into a little bit. But I also imagine senior leadership feeds into that somewhat and their ability to communicate what this vision is, um, that that's also a critical step in how a cross-functional team needs to be able to work and, and complete that vision, right?
1: Yeah, getting everyone pulling in the same uh, direction is very important. Um, you know, Getting all the departments access to the data and knowing that they're going to be spending a lot of effort in the project. But this is what they're going to get out of it, and having their, their buy-in. Um, having everyone involved really helped us gain support for all the new work that there was created for them. And as everyone started seeing their, their benefits being re- realized, then they would chime in a lot more. They would help in.
0: Okay, that's great. And... We talked about 2013. This is we're going on 10 years here, right, from the start of this this planning process. That's a that's a long time, and uh, there's obviously a, a long-term outlook. Greg, speaking of just how long it does take as you start the process, what what can other co-ops expect to see?
2: Uh, well, we're definitely seeing the need for more comprehensive, long-term strategic planning. For sure. Uh, and, and it's really for a number of reasons. I think because technology is changing much faster than it has in the past. I mean, you used to be able to make decisions about technologies, and that technology might last for 10, 20 years. Um, and with the progression of technology and new features, new functions that are driving new capabilities, and frank, frankly, I think in many ways, allowing there to be a, maybe a, a quicker payback um, on those technology investments than there has been in the past. I think just having to understand that, the, that those changes are occurring more quickly um, requires more planning. Um, I would say the complexity is increasing. Uh, there, are, there are just more choices. There's more vendors. There's more systems that you have to consider. Uh, Craig, you mentioned that, that that you have to really think about all those different um, opportunities to, to solve your problem or, or address your use case and, and then address the complexity that comes with it. Um, and then I would say the, the reason it's also more important is the fact that many of these technologies are more interdependent on each other than they were in the past. Um, you know, I'm sure when you started this back in 2013, Craig, you were saying, okay, we need an AMI system. Let's think about how, the best system that we can put in place. And then you realize, oh, my, you know, that impacts my CIS system. That impacts my ability to connect my downline devices. It impacts my... C- the communication systems that I have to transport the information. So when you look at the, the speed of technology, the complexity, and the interdependency between all these areas, then you realize, gosh, I really have to be spending more time on planning. I have to increase my time frame, maybe not just look three to five years out, maybe look, you know, five to ten years out. So all that suggests that there, there's a need for planning to be more strategic and and, and to incorporate technology much more importantly than it has been in the past.
1: Yeah, um, you go back 20 years ago, applying technology was a lot more isolated, a lot not as integrated. Once you start modifying a portion of your procedures now, the integration and the uh, effect on other systems is much more... uh, Significant, you know, getting focused on the integration first and identifying, getting that done before you, like, exchange the meters um, is very important. You, you need the foundation to work.
0: Yeah, that, I, I love the, the points that are coming up here. Now, the benchmarking report that I, I mentioned earlier in the episode uh, has data points that, say, the board of directors play a critical role in developing this strategic plan. So, Craig, how did your board of directors in particular help impact the steps you took for planning?
1: Uh, You know, looking at the board, their their job is um, getting the best value for the membership. And our board was very concerned about the risk versus reward. Um, We did member surveys to better understand what was important to our membership, uh, that was key, and we also completed a risk evaluation uh, that included board members and s- senior staff was involved in that risk process. Um, there were people identified in the process whose job was to be against the project and to work to identify risk and questions and, and really question how we would mitigate those risks. Um, a lot of times uh, people don't want to be against something because they don't want to you know, look bad. This gave them permission to be against it, to say, we shouldn't do this, here's why we shouldn't. That's
0: really interesting.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was a great process. And so we had uh, like three board members on the pro team and three board members on the con team, senior staff on both. Um, And the process allowed us to educate the board, educate the senior staff on the project plan. I'll say prior to the risk analysis, the board was split on doing this very expensive project. But after seeing how and understanding how we were mitigating the risk and ensuring that we would achieve the benefits, the board was at that point fully uh, engaged and involved and, and senior staff.
0: No, I love the way that you put that, the idea that you've given people the ability to be against the project. It's, it's playing that devil's advocate, right? And, you know, sometimes you just you have to play it to say, hey, wh- what is what are the things that we need to uh, be concerned about? And how do we put that into perspective for our cooperative? Now, I want to go through a few of the lessons learned in this planning process. You mentioned earlier about cross-functional teams. That came up as probably a top lesson learned for you. Can you go into that a little bit and why that was a critical step?
1: Yeah, one of our things that we did is we visited with other utilities. We visited with people that had done it before, and we actually brought uh, eight or nine employees out to other other utilities and talked to them. One of the things that we saw is if, I'll pick on IT or billing, if they were leading the, the project, it tended to be a really great meter reading system. But it wasn't great for operations. If engineering was the lead, the billing part was not as well supported. And so what we saw was we needed to support the entire cooperative with the project and get everyone involved with it. And that that was key.
0: And as far as project management goes, how did you handle that?
1: We, you know, looking at project management and risk, uh, reducing the risk, We saw that the field equipment, the meter exchange, was roughly 80% of the cost of the project. Um, Software integration is the other 20%. Most projects that we saw at AMI focused on getting the meters installed, and then they worked on getting the benefits once the meters were installed. We, we, We flipped that. We felt that integration and software, installing the software, especially with integrating with all of the existing systems, was your greatest risk. Well, let's spend that 20% of the project, and let's get that risk resolved. So, we worked on the integrating the new and existing systems, and we implement the integration supporting the use cases. And we did this through about a 5,000 meter pilot project, and we played with that system for many months, eight to ten months. We had that installed company wide. They could use the system. They could learn. They could work out the bugs, and at the time really allowed us to shake shake out the system. Then, when day one, when we started the mass meter installation, we were getting the benefits day one. People were ready for it. As the problems arose, they had seen them before. They knew what to do to resolve them. Uh, that was key.
0: Greg, from your your experience, what what do you think of those lessons learned?
1: Oh,
2: I can't emphasize uh, how important cross-functional teaming is to to good. Um, strategic planning. <clears throat> in fact, uh, I would say that if you asked all of the members that we've helped uh, in the planning that we've done, say, in the last year, I think every single one of them had said the importance of getting every you know, senior staff member across all the functions together in a room and going through all the issues together as a team was one of the most valuable exercises that they had done. In many cases, they hadn't really done it that way. As Craig kind of mentioned in the past, to would be like, okay, the engineering manager would drive that engineering decision. And, of course, they'd bring other people in, but it wasn't really as comprehensive as it, as it maybe could have been. And now they're seeing the value of bringing everybody in. And, um, and, and therefore, I think to a T, to everybody said that that was one of the most important benefits.
0: Great. And now, Craig, what are some of the new initiatives you're implementing? And I also want to talk specifically about how they're affecting your members.
1: That's a good good point. Our board, that was key, is how is this going to benefit our members? And what we're seeing is much of the benefits are with how we handle issues. Um, One of the co we visited, they had a great saying, the system allows you to resolve problems before they become uh, problems. And that's really been interesting. So the membership experience, they experience less problems, less billing problems, less electrical service problems. And so how how do you communicate that to your membership? Um, What we're looking at is we're benchmarking how many events we dealt with before the system and how many events we're dealing with after the system. And our plan is to communicate that with our our membership and how we've reduced the number of issues we're dealing with. We've already seen a huge reduction in estimated bills and different things like that. So the membership is seeing less problems. the one thing is the members were very supportive in our surveying of us spending money to improve the uh, it, infrastructure of our system, and the project got named AGI, or Advanced Grid Infrastructure Project, just to reflect that focus.
0: Okay. And as far as the, the financial impact that you expected, what did that look like, and what are you hoping for f- your future value streams?
1: Right. Uh, We took a very conservative uh, uh, business plan, um, hard benefits only. So our project plan showed about a 10-year break-even. And the question that we were answering was, should we continue using old technology or should we switch to this new uh, technology? The break-even calculation using just the hard benefits was very, very conservative, as I said. And so this did not include soft benefits. We we believe we're going to be there, but we don't want to count on them. And what are we
0: talking about in terms of hard benefits versus soft benefits? If you just want to give us a a broad idea maybe of what those categories look like.
1: Yeah, well, maybe a soft benefit is every time a DER is installed, we had to replace the meter with a new bidirectional meter. A soft benefit would be, well, we don't need to replace that meter anymore. The reason that was a soft benefit was we don't know how much DER we're going to have. And so we, we include that as a soft benefit. Uh, hard benefits are that we know the new meters will be more accurate uh, so we'll get some reduction in uh, losses uh, uh, due to that uh, meter reading, we'll, we'll eliminate meter reading or at least reduce it. That's a hard benefit. So that was kind of a combination there uh, of what was soft versus hard. Yeah,
0: no, that's perfect.
1: And, and it's really neat the soft benefits that we're experiencing. One of the surprises is since the data is available to all the employees. The creativity of the employees to use the data in ways that just weren't envisioned is is right now one of the biggest surprises.
0: And I wondered about that in terms of it being a soft benefit that that may add more value downstream um, than it does potentially today because there is so much that you so much potential you have that you can do with it um, that may not be seen yet.
1: Yeah, we uh, one of the things in 2013, we're looking at AMI. MDM was really not a key part of a, of a system back then. Uh, during the first two or three years, we realized the importance of the MDM for achieving the benefits. Uh, we included a data scientist as part of our project to help achieve those uh, 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 benefits, and that is tremendously helping us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great to hear. And I'm sure that's a whole other conversation that we probably can even get into in terms of uh, – obviously, data scientists and what potential they have to add. I, I know that's a topic that we may potentially touch on at some point um, in our podcast episodes. Uh, but now to wrap this up just a little bit, I know we've discussed about various elements of the planning. Uh, to recap, we went from vision to some financial forecasting, and we talked about how important technical preparation is, including the vision and the ability to communicate all of these things to uh, a cross-functional team. Greg, can you tell me what you consider uh, the different elements of this planning are and how they relate to each other?
2: Well, you know, like you said, we sort of touched on, you know, the importance of doing overall long-range strategic plan and and taking into consideration all of the elements of a strategic plan. I think generally, given, you know, the results of the study that we, we did together, you know, clearly said that I think GMs really understand the value of doing that.
0: And now, Craig, if you can just sum up what your top three insights are for cooperative leaders, I'd love to hear what they are.
1: You know, we pretty much talked about all of them, the, the cross-functional team, getting everyone involved. Visit with others that have done it before. That We learned so much from that. Um, clear vision of what is a successful project. that The whole team has that clear vision. Any project you do, that's so important. And then... In this case, you'll focus on getting the system's integration working first, users trained, then spend the big, big, big dollars. That, that was key for us.
0: Excellent. Well, I thank you both for joining me here. I know, Greg, we have, I'm sure, some additional helpful sources that members can turn to uh, for when they're starting to plan for smart grid applications. Uh, any, any specific suggestions?
1: Well,
2: you know, first, if you haven't had the chance to, to read the report, um, please do. It's available on our website, CFC's website, so there's some really good information there. And then, you know, reach out to us. Uh, obviously, CFC, NRECA, great at doing strategic planning, financial planning. We can help with technology planning. I mean, your cooperative, national cooperative organizations are here to help.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you both. I really appreciate both of your time and expertise, and I'm sure our cooperative leaders out there do as well.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Christine.
0: Thank you for joining us on this edition of Solutions Cast. Be sure to subscribe to get the next episode and check nrucfc.coop slash solutions for more electric cooperative news.